It was in 2002, 2002, that uh, your pastor and Becky, uh, we traveled to Romania. And for 10 days, we were able to have the privilege of ministering the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, I was able to preach at the dedication of our brand new seminary there in Bucharest, Romania and uh, preach to the graduates in a graduation service and also be able to minister in a number of the churches there in Romania. My translator, my interpreter during that time was a dear young pastor that I, I was just blown away with his testimony, uh, his story, and uh, such a beautiful young man of God. On fire for God, him and his dear wife Esther. And uh, usually I bring to you missionaries, American missionaries. This morning you get to see the fruit of your missions giving. You get to see and hear the fruit of your prayers for our missionaries uh, around the world because you're about to experience a testimony of what God has done in bringing a soul from communism to Christ. It was just a few years after Becky and I were there that we sent a team from Lakeside Assembly of God under Terry Denmark, our World Outreach Director, to do construction work and ministry. Our heart has been bonded uh, with this church in Romania. They're on our mission support list along with Pastor Marion. This morning, I want you to get ready to put your hands together and give a real good Lakeside welcome to Pastor Marion Pateretz for the glory of God. God bless you, Pastor Marion. Amen. Good morning. Such an exciting place, and uh, I felt God's presence, and I uh, was so blessed by the uh, worship and by the choir. Wow. They, they know how to sing. Praise God. Um, I was so blessed to get to know Pastor Chris in, uh, in Romania, and I will sum up in one word a description of him this morning. He is a very courageous man. He had a lot of courage to ask a Romanian national pastor to come and preach in his church. I'm going to twist maybe and cut and chop your English language, but bear with me, forgive me, and if it happens that you will not understand a word, just, just pray for me, okay? Let's make this deal. In the beginning, you just pray for me. Before I will go on, before I will talk about uh, my experience and my testimony in Romania, we have a sh very short video, about three minutes and 20 seconds, uh, and I would love if, to, to show it to you uh, so that you can see it. Uh, I don't know if it's ready, and if it's ready, I would love to see this video first.
Thank you. It feels different up here. <laughs> Love it. I am married. My wife's name is Esther. I have four kids, one boy and three girls. Three girls. <laughs> three girls. Uh, my oldest son is uh, 18 years old almost, and uh, then uh, Annabelle is about 11, Annalise is about 7, and my youngest one, her name is Olivia, and check this out, she turns one today. So it's her birthday today. Uh, I currently, I'm a pastor in Trinity Assemblies of God Church from Baku, Romania. And also, uh, I lead the Value Plus organization that we founded in 2012 with the purpose and reason to promote Christian values in society and especially among the young people. Uh, I'm not here to preach. And, oh, boy, that's a relief, isn't it? You've got one of the best preachers in the world right here at Lakeside Assembly. He is full of passion. He is full of zeal. And often people are asking me if there will be one thing you would like to take back from United States back to Romania, what would that be? And every time I'm thinking of Pastor Chris, I would love to steal pa your pastor for at least for a while, okay? I would love to steal him one more time for Romania. One more time, okay? One more time. One day, one more time. I know you guys are very busy building constructions, all kind of stuff going on. But one more time. One more time. Love this pastor. So today I would love just to share with you a little bit of, uh, from my testimony. It's just going to be about an hour and a half. <laughs> now I'm going to put it in a nutshell. Just... Uh, move quickly and fast and uh, just share with you a couple of things that God really did miracles in, our, in my life and in our country and how he, uh, how he lead us, how he brought us from where we are, from where we were, where we are and the vision that he gave it to us to go in the future and fulfill his will. I was born under the communists and how is to live in a in a communist country. How is to be a kid in a communist country? Well, it's like a paradox. It's like a, it's like a contradiction. It's like a, a contrast. And I will explain that. First, living in, 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 a, in a communist country, you face with this what we call personality cult. We had our president named Ceausescu. And for all my entire childhood, we were taught at school, at news, TV, newspapers, radio, everywhere, that our president is the best, is the strongest, is the smartest, the handsome, the most caring person in the world. Until one day when we wake up and our nation shot him. But anyway... The personality cult is like a paradox. You, you live like in a bubble, and then suddenly the bubble breaks out, and it's just in a matter of minutes you realize reality is really different. Second thing is that Romania was a very rich country. 
Imagine living in a country with the fields full of grain, with cities full of factories and everybody was working and have a job and almost no employment, unemployment rate in Romania. Can you believe that during the communists? Everybody had a job. Actually, if you finish the school and if you did not get a job in two weeks, the police will be at your door and say, you need help? We can assist you. Get a job. But with all that, building cars, have a, uh, a steel industry, have everything you can wish for, still, you have the food stores empty, the bread shelves empty, the homes cold because there is no heating system. The electricity is turning off at 10 o'clock in the evening from 8 to 10, two hours. And then we'll turn on in the morning from 6 to 9 and then turn off again. You have only one TV station broadcasting for two hours. One hour was about how bad are you guys in America and in West Europe. 45 minutes was about how best and handsome, handsome is our president. Couple of other minutes was just cartoons and a few other things. And it happened that we as kids, we love it. When you don't have any choice, you love what you have, right? But anyway, we're, yeah. Uh, now it's so much diversity. I have a problem with so much variety sometimes. It's too much variety, isn't it? It's just too much variety. We like this color or this color, this kind or this kind, this flavor or the other flavor. It's just too much variety, okay? Um, another paradox was that we were taught that our country is the safest place on earth. Outside of our borders is disaster. Outside of our borders is, and nothing is sure. But inside of our country, things are really doing well. As I said, until one day when we woke up from this nightmare and realized that it was all the way around. Another thing is that even we, are under, we were under the communism. The church was, was persecuted, but it was growing. I remember when I was about eight years old, I was in the, in the, in the church with my grandmother, and the police uh, officers from the local department walked into the service straight, straight to the pulpit where the pastor was and just stopped the pastor from the sermon. And yeah, we want to we wanna talk to you. So, uh, so the pastor took his team, went on the other room, starts to talk. The church just sit there and start to pray, you know, silent, in silence, and just uh, sing a song in silence. And for about an hour and a half, they were in that room until finally they came out. And the police officers just left the building very rude to the people. But the pastor was his, he had his face shine. He, Praise God, brothers and sisters. We've got the permit to have another year and have services and keep the church going for one more year. The only problem is that every one of us has to uh, be a part and raise a pig for Christmas to give as a present for each officer in the department. Uh, you probably will never understand that, 
but in Romania during Christmas time, slaughtering a pig, it is a big tradition. I don't know how can I match it in the United States. I really, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, it was like Mama Mia. Everybody was looking for Christmas. Um, and when Christmas came, they, ra they raised five pigs just to give it away to the police department, just to have one more year, the church open and have the services. It was tough, but the church was growing. Praise God. That's how it was during the communist time. It, it's, um, it, is a, it, it was a time when um, church was really under pressure. I remember in my village there was a man who held uh, prayer meetings in his house. And brothers and sisters during the uh, evening uh, got together for prayer times in his house. And he was working in a factory and every day he would take the train back and forth. And when he got off from the train, he had to walk in, in front of the police station. And the police people every evening will stop him, will put him into the police department and will beat him. And make him say... Who were the persons that attend the prayer meetings in the, in the, every evening? And he would not say a word until he was beaten so hard that he could not walk to his job anymore. Um, despite of all those times, church was growing. Because in the middle of the problems and in the middle of the, of the strife, God's mercy and grace is in abundance. And he is faithful. He is faithful. Praise God. Uh, my life in, uh, in Romania, in, it was... Is anybody here that have seen The Fiddler on the Roof, the, uh, the movie? I love that movie. It's the movie of my life. I love Tevier. My village was very much alike with the village from that movie, Anadelfka. So I grew up there, and uh, growing during uh, communist time uh, in a village that simple... And facing a lot of material and economical problems forced me to work until I was a very small kid. Beginning with uh, uh, eight years old, I started to work and provide also for my family, carrying woods from uh, the forest with my back and sell it to the, to the village, uh, uh, to the people in the village to make a living and win some bread on the table. Uh, I will describe, I will sum up, and I will describe that childhood under the communism like this. It was a very hard time to have dreams. One day I remember I was in the school and the teacher was looking to us and he asked every student in the class, he said, when you grow up, what would you like to have? What is that one thing you'd like to accomplish when you grow up? And the highest dream, let it out, in that classroom, until they reached me, was to buy a horse. That was the, the biggest thing. So when my time was coming, I was shaking and trembling. And I was like, I will let it out, man. I will let it out. I said, I want to finish college, and I want to have a car. And everybody was like, and I was quick, a second-hand car. Uh, for weeks, the whole, entire school make laugh of me and fun of me because I want to go to college. You want to go to college? That's just 
unreachable. But praise God because he really can do miracles and out of the communism to raise people to spread the gospel not only in Romania but in other parts of Europe and to influence and touch the young generation of Romania right now. Um, praise God because the revolution came in 1989. For those of you who know, in December 1989, finally the walls of communism fell down. I was in the middle city of Romania called Brasov. Three days I, were, I was on the street, streets protesting and screaming and uh, taking part of all the shooting and all the stuff that have been happening. And I remember bullets really flying over my head and God spared my life. Um, one moment I will recall, and uh, with the price of cutting from some other stuff that I was going to tell you, I want to tell this experience. During one night, we were protesting in front of the town hall of the state building of Brasov. We were in the streets, probably around 30,000 people. Police, army, firefighters, everybody was there. And uh, by the middle of the night, a man stood up in the top of a van. And out of the blue, with no sound system and no microphone, he says, people, let's sing a song. And he starts to teach us the, the words. And it was a song from the church. It was a Christian song. The verses was, he's coming again. He's going to come again. Our Lord Jesus will come again. So get ready. He's going to come again. And in about a few minutes, we all catch the ream. And we all start singing in that streets, in those streets in the night. Buildings were shaking. I cannot describe how the Holy Spirit and God really come down in that marketplace. And after the song was finished, he says, People, let's pray. Let's bow down our knees and pray. And all 30,000 people got down on our knees. And we all said Lord's, the Lord's Prayer. I can witness to you that the walls and the buildings were shaking. The God's power and presence in that marketplace was so strong, unbelievable. And a man stood up after the prayer. He ripped off his shirt. He went to the, uh, to the soldier in front of him, take his gun, pull his gun, and point it to his chest, to his heart. And he says, if you have the guts, shoot it. Shoot me. I am fighting for your future. I'm fighting for your kids. And the soldier holding the gun, and with his face and cheeks filled with tears, standing there, that's a picture that you cannot take it out of your mind for the rest of your life. God was in the revolution time. Well, he, had, he, could, he could do that for us. He can do anything, anywhere, anytime. And by the way, about the prayer for the United States this morning, he can do the same here. Because he is God over all nations. The whole earth is submitted to him. After the, after the revolution came, I uh, started a high school in Brasov and I moved uh, there. And uh, one day I was playing soccer on my, in, the streets, in the street with my, with my friends and I said, soccer, European football, okay? 
what you guys have here is just hitting each other. <laughs> I mean soccer. I told my friends, you know what, I'll go to the stadium, I want to see a real movie, a real, uh, a real, um, a real move, a, a real game. And um, when I went to the stadium and stepped in, it was not a game. It was a crusade. A, a man was preaching the gospel and it was right in the end of the sermon, during the altar call. And in those moments, in 1990, 11 August, that day, in that moment, in that place, I understood that my life without God is pointless. My life without God is nothing. And all the happiness and the fulfillment and everything I'm searching for is only in God. So I start walking to that altar and says the Lord, said the Lord prayer. And in that moment, God really take hold of my life and forgive my sins. And for the first time in my life, I, I, I felt peace and joy took the gospel of Luke went home pray full of happiness when my aunt came home because I was staying with some relatives I start to share what happened during the day she got angry on me and they kicked me out of the house put me in the school dorms and uh, it was tough but it was beautiful uh, in those moments I experienced God's presence in such a deeper way and in that time it was the time when God called me into the ministry one day I was praying in, um, in my room and uh, I was just, just praying over my meal and I sensed God's presence in such a deep, deep way and I got an idea. I said, Lord, what is your plan for my life? So get ready when you ask that question. Get ready when you ask that question because God always answers those kind of prayers. And immediately I felt that God wants me to go into the ministry. And um, of course, I resisted because I never thought to be in the ministry. I never dreamed myself to be in the ministry. But God just kept telling to my soul and my heart that it's his will to go into the ministry. So I made another prayer. I said, God, if it's your will, put your hand on my back and push me forward. Never made that make these kind of prayers, okay? <laughs> Because a lot of crazy things are happening and you don't know why. When you look behind, you see why. But when you are living those kind of things, you don't have a clue why. Uh, and I ended up in the Bible school. In the Assemblies of God Bible School in Bucharest, getting my theological training. And after I finished it, I knew God called me in the, into the church planting ministry. So in, two, in 1996... We started the first church uh, in Romania. We started the church in Trgogna called Bethlehem in, uh, two, in 1996. Uh, it's the year also that I got, I got married uh, in that same year. And in 1998, we moved forward and we started another church in another community called the Light of Life, uh, the church in Dermanesht. And then we start another church after uh, three years in Baku, in the main city in the, our district, uh, the Trinity Assembly of God Church in Baku, where currently I am also. And I want to pause here, and I want to look, if I, if I could, I would love to look bullseye right into the eyes of every one of you. Because I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Because during, when, during the building project, when we were building the building in, for the church in Baku, I came here, 
you gave me so gracious a uh, um, missionary window to share with you, and Lakeside took up a, uh, an offering. And with your offering, we have been able to purchase and install the heating system in that building. So, for all those years, when the people came to church and it was cozy and warm, when the kids came to the Sunday school and been taught the gospel of Christ, it was because of your giving and your sacrifice. And I want to applaud them for that. Thank you very much. Out of that church, we moved forward and we plant another church with our people in, uh, in London. We start Trinity Church in London because a lot of Romanians go outside of Romania to work. So a lot of people from our congregation happened to go in London and said, let's start a church there. And we started just with a bunch of people, as you see. But now there are over 100, 150 people in uh, southeast London, the Trinity Romanian Church. They're doing great outreach among Romanians that come uh, and looking for work in uh, the capital of Great Britain. So we were... We, we were able to share the gospel way far above our borders, beyond our borders. I told you my English is not so good, okay? Um, also, last year um, in December, actually in January, December and January, we moved forward and started another church in Romania in a city called Yash. It's about 65 miles north of Baku, and it's a very important and large city, about half a million people. A lot of good universities, more than 50,000 uh, students in the city. Um, it has been the capital of Romania for a while. Just a great city. And we start a church there. We rent a room, uh, a hall in the downtown, right near the students, uh, the university campuses, and addressing and sharing the love and the hope of God through the gospel with those kids in Yash. And please pray for us because it is an adventure to start a new church again. But yes, God who did it so many times, he will do it again, isn't it? True? In 2012, we started also Value Plus organization with the desire to share the gospel with the young generation. And I will make it very quick. We start that and we have projects for a better future. And those projects are for kids that came from at-risk families. A lot of kids that have been left behind by, by their families who went outside of Romania and they developed a lot of issues, get, uh, uh, get into the drug addictions, human trafficking. And so we start in public schools these projects and we take kids from at-risk contexts. And in the school, with the public school in partnership, we teach them uh, Romanian language, mathematics, do homework with them, and also we have a class for character development that is Christian-based, Bible-based curriculum with them in the schools and uh, non-formal activities. We currently have 110 kids in our projects and also I want to pause here because one of our projects in Baku uh, have been helped and sponsored since about two and a half years ago by Lakeside Assembly. And I want to say thank you very much for that. In that particular project, we had a young girl who came, and in the first day when they entered to the pro in the project, we put them to, have, to make a drawing. She drew a mask. And I asked her why. She said, I am so ugly, I am so mean, 
and I will wear a mask all my life. I don't want anybody, anywhere, anytime to see me. Who is the real me? Oh, as a God help us. It's a lot of work here. She was a beautiful young lady. Making the story short, in two years, her life had been turned upside down by God in a positive way. She starts to smile, and now she's this, the smiling face in the room. Her grades went up. She finished the school, went for the high school. Not only that, she turned back in our project, and she became a volunteer to help kids like she was before. And not only that, but she starts to come to church and to the youth meetings and get to know Christ and his love and all that because of people like you that faithfully invest in mission. And I'm here today to say thank you. Thank you very much. We also have a project called uh, Ended. And Ended is for uh, addressing human trafficking in Romania. We have a lot of issues with human trafficking. In our city, it's like a hub for girls from Romania, from Republic of Moldova, and uh, South Ukraine from Odessa. Uh, it's a lot of bad stuff. I'm not going to go into details, but we felt compelled to do something. And we developed a program, and we go in uh, high schools, in schools, and universities, and have workshops with the, uh, the young people and teach them how to stay free, how to uh, uh, stay um, uh, away from human trafficking, how to help the victims, uh, and we form support groups in public schools about human trafficking, and um, also link the support group with the national agency against human trafficking, so that they, when they spot a problem, they know who to relate and address the issue, and also um, talk with lawyers that will do pro bono cases and represent those victims in front of the law and help them with legal issues. Um, and thank you for your support and for your prayers doing a lot of, it's you all know, it's better to prevent than to treat, right? And the same amount of energy that you invest to train and uh, inform more than 1,000 people, you do, it's not enough to help one victim. It's better to prevent than to treat. Uh, another project is One Family, One Home. We start to build homes for people that are way below the poverty line. And last year we built two homes. This year we are going to build another two. Uh, also we have the project called Share and we give a lot of food and a lot of uh, um, f um, clothes and shoes to poor families. And what we do, we go in villages and we run free stores. We bring a truck we're full of goods and invite people to come. And everybody got to, ha to, to have a big box of everything they, they needed for free. I will skip over the vision. Our vision is big. But I will want to close with this. And I'm not going to preach. But I want to close with this question. Why mission? We're living so busy, so, we are so busy, we are living lives in very busy. We have a lot of things going on in our churches. Why missions? In top of that, why missions? And I want to answer this question, give the answer with a true illustration. In Romania, during the communist time, there was a lady called Iliana Crăciun. She was, uh, she was just a very simple lady, never got married, she was a prayer warrior. She prayed for the church, prayed for the lost, prayed for the people who need Jesus, and especially she prayed for a young boy, her nephew. She would 
take him to the church and on the way to church uh, she will say well if you memorize a verse today I'll buy you a brand new pair of shoes if you come to with me next Sunday to the church I will, I will make some sweets I'll bake some sweets for you and then often she will wake up during the night and pray for this little boy that God will have his hand above his life the lady died in 1987 she never lived the days to see what God can do from that little boy but that little boy is standing before you today and it is because of her mission and it is because of her investment that I am where I am and God is using me. Why mission? Because it's God's way. It's the best way to bring hope, to bring healing and change to our communities. Why missions? Because mission is the best way to invest in the future and make a difference. Why missions? Because mission change the destiny of people. Why mission? That's why mission. There, is, there was a song uh, years ago in Romania, it was very popular, I don't know if you know it here in the States. Uh, it was like, what's love got to do? You know that song? What's love got to do? I, I, I don't sing. I, I told the people in our church, I said, I'm not gonna sing, I'll sing when I'll get to heaven. If I'm gonna sing, nobody of you will stay. So, what's love got to do? The, you know, the, the song goes on and says, it's just a second-hand emotion. And every time when I hear that song, it just bubbles everything inside of me, because it's not, right? It's not the second-hand emotion. What's love got to do? And my answer is this, everything. In John chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus says, if you love me, you will follow my command. You will do what I tell you to do, if you love me. In the end of the day, it's all about love. If we love him, we will love missions. Thank you, Pastor. And it's a privilege for me to be with you this morning. Thank you. Awesome work. Wait a minute. Were you blessed this morning? You know, over the years, over the years, we've had missionaries speak to you about their work overseas. This morning, you have experienced the fruit of their work overseas in a very tangible way, in the form of a life, a soul, that has been saved to become a pastor. And you can see, with all the churches that were planted, and have been planted by this, this man and his leadership. The ministries that have been formed and organized. He must be an unreal. I told him, I don't know if he understood me. I said, you must be an unreal administrator. I cannot imagine all the projects. This guy must dream 24-7 with vision getting into the schools, the human trafficking, drug addiction, poverty, the, the, uh, the, the sharing of goods and clothes and food in the villages.
that he's organized his church to do, uh, he must go nonstop, 24-7. We know it's the Holy Spirit at work. The Holy Spirit at work. Uh, Pastor Marion never knew his father. His father was of the uh, aris, you know, the uh, aristocratic, uh, the, the blue bloods. And uh, his mother became pregnant. His, uh, his father was not allowed to, to marry his mother. He grew up extremely poor. I don't know if it went over your heads. Uh, young people, at age eight, this young man had to get a job at age eight and provide for the budget for his mother and his siblings and go to work carrying wood. He won't tell you some of this stuff, but because he had to carry uh, so many pounds of wood on his back, it, it, it irreparably injured his back. And uh, it was a few years ago that the Lord used your pastor to raise money uh, through contacts that I had so this young man could have back surgery. And uh, when... And when, I, I don't know if you caught it in Pastor Marion's testimony, but when he came to faith in Jesus Christ and was living with his relatives, they kicked him out because he left the Orthodox Church and went to the full gospel. Some of you have experienced that with Catholicism, and you know what we're talking about there. He was kicked out and had to find a place to live. Uh, and, and as a teenager, he had to provide for himself and had nothing. But God knew right where he was. God knew right where he was. And God not only provided for this young man, God saved his soul. God called him into the full-time ministry. And you see the impact of uh, an aunt's prayers, an aunt who had already died. Her prayers had not died. Her prayers were alive and well and saved this man, blessed him, and empowered him to be the pastor that he is today. 